everyone, to the 118th episode of the Have Aloha World Travel Podcast. I am your co-host today, Kevin Allen, with me as always. Catherine Toth Fox, we are with Hawaii Magazine, and it's a day. <laughs> yeah, could you tell my, uh, you know, I really have to turn it on for the camera right now because I am super tired. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to print today, um, which is, you know, I guess if you don't, you know, a lot of people don't really know what that means. Um, but it's, you know, we're putting the issue. Uh, we have an upcoming issue. It's our fall 2023 issue. It'll be on newsstands in mid-October. And if you're a subscriber, it'll come to you a little bit sooner than that. Um, but yeah, putting an issue to bed is, uh, it's a busy day. Busy, busy day, to put it lightly. Oh it's a busy, busy week, really. Um, but then it all yeah. leads up to a really busy day. Um which is today. <laughs> and we haven't even gone to press technically yet, but the magazine is done. The I magazine, can't. I think, is done. Although, like, even yeah. in our last round of... So we do a bunch of these things called proofing where we proof all the pages and uh, it's a bunch of boring stuff. But even in our last round of proofs, I mean, there's a reason why you got to look at the magazine so many times. It's because it's really easy to accidentally have a typo. Uh, even on the cover of the magazine, I had um, the wrong page number uh, for one of the stories. Um, and it's a weird thing because you look at it a million times. You look at it I know. a million times and you're like, yeah, it's fine. And then like, hopefully the last time you look at it, you see like, oh, wait a second. There's an error. <laughs> and it's not um, even like us. I mean, there's like, there's at least six other people who look at parts of the magazine at any given time, right. you know, and you still, I mean, errors still get through. It's crazy. It's just, you know, I think it's a weird thing where you you really do your brain kind of autocorrects itself, you know, where you'll mm -hmm. see something is wrong, but your brain will just be like, no, that's correct. And it'll just do its own autocorrection, especially when you're skimming, right? Because when you're skimming, you're barely even reading to begin with. You're just putting pieces, the, pu the puzzle mm -hmm. pieces together. You know, you're you're really not reading all the words. So when I'm really reading through the book and really proofing, I will actually read right. every single word out loud. Um, because that is that is the way to just you know make sure there's not as many errors there will still be a couple <laughs> every time we go to print i like see something i know, and I'm like, oh, I know. Oh, so annoying well, yeah hopefully this will be a perfect issue oh that definitely that's what i think every time um but yeah oh. we want to just talk to everyone about the issue a little bit you know if you're um i just dropped something that i was fiddling with if you're not a subscriber, honey nut still... Cheerios in the back behind you. Oh, it's actually no. peanut butter uh, oh. Cheerios. It's like peanut butter crunch, but a little bit healthier. It's still Cheerios, so they still like. It's really good. I highly recommend it. You can only find it at Target, though. I've never good. seen that peanut yeah. butter Cheerios. They have a bunch of different flavors at Target. I know this because I'm like probably I'm like made up of like maybe 20% Cheerios. I eat Cheerios every single day. Really? Sometimes multiple times a day. I love Cheerios. Um, I have since Fun I was fact. like 18. Fun fact. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. We're gonna talk to you about the issue a little bit. If you want to pick it up, it'll be on newsstands. Obviously, you can still subscribe um and get an issue um you can order single issues on our shopify store um at hawaiimagazine.com wait hawaiimagazine.shop hawaiimagazine.com backslash shop backslash shop that's what the url is um yeah, yeah you can find single issues there i think uh you know what um this issue was an interesting one because kind of midway through we had to well 
you know, the Maui thing, Maui fire has happened. And um, we actually, it's kind of a really depressing. We, I mean, the whole situation is really depressing, but we had, we were going to feature a Maui business in the, in mm-hmm. the uh, issue that unfortunately burned down. It was um, Annabelle and Warren's magic show. Um, and that's in Lahaina. Um, and yeah, we uh, obvious for obvious reasons, we, after the news broke, we could not feature it anymore. Um, so that was kind of a, that's kind of an interesting thing to 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 tackle, I guess, um, kind of from a back end point of view, you know, putting together a, a travel magazine, especially one where at the time we didn't know what the situation on Maui was going to be like in two months. Um, so mm-hmm. it was um, definitely interesting. But to replace that story, we actually um, I went to Lanai um, to go to the Lanai Cat Sanctuary, which is technically still in Maui County. Um and I hung out with a bunch of cats for an entire day. Six not this cat. Cats. Yeah. Um, these these stray cats that I mean, the Lanai Cat Sanctuary um is a really interesting story. It was really just all started by just one woman who really loved cats. And like if you know cat people, like the fervor and the ferocity of someone who loves cat is cats are like unparalleled. Like they will do anything for cats. Um and this woman, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. Oh, um, oh. Kathy, not Kathy. Carol. Um, oh my God, we just I, read this story like a billion times. I, I know, know it's Keone. Is it Jackie and Keone Vaughn? Yep. They're the so they're owners, right? right. They're kind of in charge now. Yes. Yeah. So they do. They run the operations, and they. I think they technically own it. Um, Keone Vaughn and Hugh. Uh, Keone Vaughn was actually used to be with. Um, the what you make humane society um mm-hmm. for a long time and and he was brought in with with joe um adarna i believe his is his name i'm so sorry while i'm talking about this could you find the original starter's name for me real quick um but they kind of run the operations now and i will say if you went to the lanai cat sanctuary even maybe five years ago it's wildly different now they've done quite a bit uh in terms of like renovations and just making it more friendly for visitors there's even a gift shop and they have like a lot of um they have a lot of merchandise and it, I, it was brought to my attention that i mean i guess it makes sense but running a cat sanctuary that is home to about 650 cats is super expensive it is and you know they make pretty much all of their money from donations uh they're they're non-profit they don't charge you know they don't charge people to get in it's free to free to enter um so it's a really expensive endeavor and it's been it was really interesting to talk to keone and joe uh just about the ways that they have been able to kind of um generate more donations um just so that they can build um additional enclosures for the cats because um pretty much the best thing you can do to give for a cat um is give it oh cat left (laughs) oh boy anyways i'm just talking to myself now um but the best thing you can do for a cat is give it more space um and because of the additional um enclosures that they're able to build they're actually able to build more space uh for the cats oh thank goodness cat has I returned have no idea what What's happens up? i was just talking to myself for a little bit <laughs> that's okay very panicked place it together in the map. kathy carroll by the way kathy carroll is her name and her husband actually owns and runs a uh art studio in lahaina uh i forget oh, his name down? no i'm sorry Probably. not lahaina excuse me lanai excuse me oh Oh, sorry. Okay. Lanai. He runs an art studio in Lanai Town. 
um it might be carol studios you can honestly like if you're in lanai there's probably like two art studios so you can pretty easily find it um i actually bought art from him too for a, a wedding present for my for my friend um but yeah anyways so joe and Keone, they've done a lot of really interesting things to, to bring in more profits or more money to um just give the cats more room more space build more enclosures um again that's the best thing you can do when you're homing housing 650 cats is to give them more space it definitely helps relieve stress and tension um and yeah so it, i mean it was a really interesting time again it's like it's so it's such a lanutty thing to like have this cat sanctuary it's really the only place probably in the states that you can do such a thing um just because did i lose you again cat uh-oh we're having some technical difficulties on our end i apologize but you know, Lanai is such a strangely like isolated and kind of enclosed community. Um, it's really the only place, probably in the world, where you can, um, you can have this kind of sanctuary where you can actually kind of crowd all these cats together and and put them together um, and not have just an overwhelming amount of strays. You know, Lanai is I, they still do have a lot of strays on the island. I'm really just talking to myself again, cat. If for the uh, audio listeners at home. Cat has once again disconnected. So you're just rock, rocking and rolling with Kevin Allen here. Uh, but yeah, it was a really great time. Um, it's interesting too, the Nutty Cat Sanctuary is actually one of pretty much the main source of one of the main uh, attractions on the island. So people come even from as far away as Japan um, just for the day, just to go to the Nutty Cat Sanctuary. Like that is why they're coming to Lanutty. Uh, we, we are being joined by special guest, Catherine Toth Fox, um, who is once again, reconnecting with us i keep getting kicked off of zoom i don't know why well it's okay it happens about cats much or something it could be i was talking about how um i was told that at the sanctuary people will come from as far away as japan just to the lanai cat sanctuary just to go to the sanctuary and then they'll leave like that is i believe that cat people are crazy cat people are crazy um yeah so that was definitely a, a story i really enjoyed in this upcoming issue man i've, I've been talking to myself so much like <laughs> the moment you leave i just start like panicking uh what what did you really you enjoy can just from stop this? talking and we can just no. like connect it in like the magic but of editing if i keep going then i don't have to do all the editing <laughs> oh, i can just i can just carry it um what, what have you what were you up to this issue you also wrote a well, lot of this issue yeah, well, I mean, that's what happens when you're a two-person team. Um, the one of the things that happened this week, so it's sort of it's uh, it's coming together quite nicely, is that Kilauea started erupting um, earlier. So this would be last week, September 10th, and it's been putting on quite a show. Like there's fountaining oh, really? lava, and oftentimes, yeah, oftentimes it happens just like on the first day, but. It's still fountaining in Halema'uma'u crater. So you can still see it. So people are just like running, not running, flying, whatever, getting to <laughs> Hawaii Volcanoes National Park right now. It's it's really packed um, with people that want to see this. I mean, Kilauea was, you know, considered this continuously, you know, like, the you know, so it for a long, long time, it was always erupting. And I think, and then it stopped. And then right, I think right. Um, people, right, it just sort of piqued people's interest when it starts to re-erupt. So anyway, um, why I say it's perfect timing. 
So thanks, Pele, is because our story in this upcoming issue is about Hilo Town and about all the things you can do in Hilo, which makes a lot of sense because even though you can fly into Hilo or Kona and drive, the drive from Hilo is much shorter to Volcanoes National Park. And I do feel like visitors often come to Hilo just to see Volcanoes National Park. Like it's, I don't know, Hilo is not really a good destination for a lot I, of visitors. So yeah, it was it was really interesting though, your Hilo story, because um Hilo is such a great town. Like it's um so fantastic. And and you were kind of mentioning, you know, you it's a really great guide. I, I loved all the the sidebars and there's a lot of additional information for really any type of traveler going to Hilo. And honestly, it kind of inspired me to 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 look at some places to stay in Hilo. I think I actually kind of want to go back almost primarily because of the food. Like this food, the seafood in Hilo is so good. Like Suisan fish market is so mm-hmm. good. Moon and turtle. I went once and that was like, man, moon and turtle is like really a culinary experience. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think why Hilo isn't the draw and you are frozen. So I'll just keep talking. Hopefully you oh, record. My yeah. Audio can you hear me? Here. Can you, I can oh, hear you, but I, okay. yeah, you are frozen in a very right. weird uh oh, this is a weird so, Zoom call. Whatever. I'm still anyway, getting, I'm still recording. We're good. We're good. Okay. Is um because I think Hilo doesn't ha- okay, first of all, Hilo is not the sunniest place. It's um it's often <laughs> gloomy and overcast. Right. And there's not really like white sand beaches. And so there's not really a beach in Hilo. So I think as far as like what visitors come to Hawaii for, a lot of it is sun and surf. So you you would most would go to Kona because Kona has more of the beaches. It has more of the sunny, you know, our leeward coast is typically sunny and all the resorts are there. So Hilo has like very rustic accommodations. Yeah. They've got hotels, but they're kind of, you know, they're not going to be these sprawling resorts with like pools and slides and all that stuff. So, you know, it just isn't really, doesn't have that infrastructure to handle the masses of visitors. And it doesn't, I don't think it really wants to. But right. it does have Mary Monarch right in, in the springtime. And that draws a lot of people, but that draws a lot of local people. But I think um, I personally, you like, I love Hilo too. And I think if you're coming to the volcano, you should take some time and explore Hilo town. And even driving up the Hamakua coast, which I didn't get into in the story, but you've done it. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. beautiful and scenic. And yeah. there's lots of places. I mean, Aloha Mondays is up there. I mean, there's a lot of places you can stop and eat and yeah. I, anyway, I like so that was my homage to Hilo. Right. And I like Hilo too because it's um it feels like a authentic, you know, it's a it does not feel like a resorty area, you know. It yeah. definitely is is yeah. not catering to visitors, which I think sometimes you want. Like you want a place that really just feels, you know, natural and and just kind of like a real place in Hawaii where people really live and go about their days and and live their lives. And and Hilo is definitely that to me. It is very much a this is a place where, you know, again, it's not catering to visitors. It's it's just a place where people live. Um, and I, yeah, I also... but it does have a big airport, so... Right, right. You know what I mean? It is like a place where people do come, but I think they're coming to go to the volcano. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's worth, I think, wandering the streets. And, you know, like you said, there's a lot of great restaurants. There's fun shops. There's a farmer's market. Um, right. There may not be the beaches, but there's still like really beautiful parks you could go to you know so yeah it's worth I know it. it's, it's funny to me too because yeah like um i i think our our cover photo for that for that hilo article in um 
in the magazine is actually people just out, you know, again, what, what Hilo would call a beach, right? It's like a bunch of yeah. rocks and then people in the ocean because there's no in between right, right, right. of sand. It's just, yeah. here's a rocky coastline and then here is a place to swim. Mm-hmm. And then there, right. there is no in between. And you know, that very much is true. Like when I've gone to Hilo, it's snow, you're not going to expect a lot of sand. Um, uh, you're going to, but I mean, it's still, again, it's so beautiful. And I, I really do enjoy, um, you know, the mistiness of it all too. It's very lush. It's very yeah. overgrown. Like if Kona's a little too dry for you, you know, it's a lot of lava fields, very dry weather over there. Dude, go to Hilo. It's so green. Like it's really one of the, yeah, one of the prettiest places in Hawaii to me. Um, or for me, I went to a very pretty place. So on the North Shore, um, I think it was an interesting story. I went to uh, Clark Little. Well, not even Clark Little. The Little Plumeria mm-hmm. Farms. Little Farms, um, which I think is an adorable name because it is run by Jim Little. Or it was started by Jim Little, which is, um, if you know Clark Little, the shore break photographer, very famous. Uh, Jim Little is his father. And Jim Little is like probably the most knowledgeable dude uh, about plumerias um mm-hmm. maybe in the world i mean um you know i i kind of went into this story not really even knowing too much about the farm it was really kind of a hidden thing it's been up in the hills on the north shore on of oahu for a long time 50 years he's been growing plumeria up there but it mm-hmm. was not an advertised kind of thing he didn't i mean he would sell his plumeria and he wrote books about plumeria but it was not a visitor attraction at all um and so, but recently, uh, on in fact, on May Day of this year, I think that's May first, um, Lay Day as well. Uh, he, they started to do tours, and for the pre past couple of years, uh, Clark Little, Jim Little, and uh, Clark's son Dane Little, so three generations of Littles, uh, kind of were all working to make the farm a bit more of a visitor friendly place. As I was told before, there was no driveway, there was no parking. It was very much just mm-hmm. a farm. Um, and now they've they've really done a lot to kind of add a you know a little bit more ease of accessibility to get in. Um, but yeah, and it was I mean, man, talk about a nice place to go. I mean, the foothills above the North Shore. Um, there's a lot of farmland up there, uh, and it has a, just one of the best views you've ever seen. I mean, you can see the whole North Shore coastline. You get this really beautiful panoramic view. Um, and then kind of adding on to all of that, you're on in a plumeria farm. So you're, you're seeing plumeria trees just all around you. Um, and you're smelling plumeria the entire time. Uh, I write about that in this upcoming issue at our front of book section, the Ho'omaka section. Um, and yeah, it was a really great experience. Again, you kind of don't, don't often see such a, like a family run, like mom and pop, I guess just pop and son's kind of operation. Um, but it was it was really interesting to see. And again, like, you know, I grew up on the North Shore and, uh, you know, I like to think that I know a lot about it, but there's still so many just little hidden corners all around. Um, so, yeah, I really recommend um, going to Little Farms, uh, you know, if you're around. Although, actually, it's kind of weird timing. Uh, the the tours only run until the end of October um, because right, that's Plumeria season. Not, yeah, right. Yep. So <laughs> you, you don't have too much time. Uh, so if you're, you know listening to this episode don't wait for the issue to come out to read about it go online we have the story online as well uh and then book a tour because there's really not too much more time for you to for you to go check it out um but yeah that was that was an exceptional experience that's right at the front of the book um and yeah again the the photography is great just because it's in it's in such a great location yeah yeah that 
Jim Little is pretty well. I mean, he's very well known. Like I remember trying to talk to him like years ago for a story on Samaria. And he like is very not, he doesn't care about media. And, Quiet dude. Like, I got, I only got one quote from him. <laughs> yeah. He's not, but you know, when Clark um, went back and decided he was going to be part of the family business and that's when they started the tours, which I think is smart because Plumeria, I mean, especially for our visitors, like people love it. And Coco Botanical Garden, which is on, the opposite shore on Oahu um, has a huge like plumeria grove as well. I mean, it's not, no, it's nothing like little plumeria farms. I mean, I think they're the largest collector of rare hybrid plumeria right. in the world or something like that. But the the one at Coco Botanical Garden, which we've written about too, I mean, that is during the summer when everything's in bloom. That's the main attraction at the garden. Like nobody even walks and it's right in the front. People just go there, take their photos, like there's picnic tables. I mean, people love plumeria. I mean, I, yeah. I, for obvious reasons, they're so diverse and they smell great and they're beautiful, but it's really smart of them to do that. And there, I don't think there's any other plumeria farm that I can think of in Hawaii that offers tours. So right. well, that, that was a surprising thing to me was that like, yeah, I, I was really trying to rack my brain and it seems like such an... I don't want to say an obvious thing to do because not everyone has like a huge plumeria farm like Jim Little, but it's really, mm -hmm. yeah, just, I mean, it's such a great idea. And, and yeah, kind of what you're talking about um, this, you will probably see plumeria uh, melia in, in Hawaiian. Um, you'll see plumeria here that are so rare, like at this little, at little farms, you'll never, you won't see them anywhere else. Um, you know, Jim mm -hmm. has spent his life crossbreeding and, and hybridizing these plumeria. Um, so if you really are like a fan of plumeria, I mean, you, again, you won't see these flowers anywhere else in the world, most likely. I mean, they're very, they're exceptionally rare. Um, and it's really interesting too, cause I was talking to Jim and, and, uh, and well, I wasn't talking to Jim as much. I was talking to Clark and Dane a lot more. And, um, you know, they're just telling me that, yeah, they, they name every single, <laughs> every single hybrid or, you know, every single hybrid, every single, every single one. And it, it's interesting too, because when they start these hybridizing, the hybridizing process, the cross cultivation process, um, you know, they'll plant them and they won't know what the flower is going to look like for, you know, two to five years until the tree actually grows. Um, so it's, it's mm -hmm. a, always a surprise. Um, and yeah, they go through these mm -hmm. big naming processes, you know, everyone in their family will come around mm -hmm. and they'll all pick names for it. Um, and it's, it was funny to me too, because I was, you know, talking to Dane and Clark and, you know, they're like a father son team at this point. And, you know, I can tell Dane, like, you know, doesn't want to like always be under his dad and i was like talking to dane and he was telling me about this name of this plumeria and then his dad was said it was a different one and they were like oh no no it's this one it's this one so it's, it's really cute to oh see oh my god uh, that's yeah, funny. funny uh yeah dane little Ooh. he's a he's a big kid yeah, i wouldn't call him little at all that's this is i've said that joke a million times that's, already yeah um i think one of the biggest draws for this issue and so for those of you who aren't subs you know aren't subscribers um, with the holidays coming up, there's two things we have in this issue that I think um, you'll be interested in. And one is our feature story, which Kevin, you can talk about, um, where we interview folks who make local, like locally, local makers of goods. So like, you know, whether it's apparel or it's skincare, um, we just interview and profile these small businesses run by local people. Many of them are native Hawaiian. And then in addition to that, we have our annual holiday gift guide. So 
you know, the whole point of this issue, as it is every year, is to promote local companies, local goods, because if you, even if you're on the mainland and you're purchasing goods here, you're supporting our local economy. And that's never been more important um, since the Maui wildfires. And we're trying to encourage people to, you know, visit Maui, shop Maui, um, you know, retailers, even if you're on the mainland, because every little bit helps Maui. Even if you're shopping here, and we do have one of the makers that we profile is in Maui County. They're based in on Moloka'i. So yeah, I think those are really two um, stories that you'd be interested in, especially coming into the holidays that we can get yeah. ideas for gifts or whatever. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was a really fun feature. It's our it's our one of our main, we have two main features, but this this one is our kind of meet the makers feature, as Kat was talking about. And yeah, it's it's a lot about you know, I really love writing stories where you can really get to know someone, get to know their business and get to know what the the thought process was behind their business and why they started it. I feel like that's where a lot of the best, most interesting stories come from. And we interviewed four local makers, uh, Laulima, uh, which makes kind of home accessories, clothing, apparel, and it's it's all centered around native uh, Hawaiian flora and fauna. Um, Danya Weber started it. And she actually uh, was a conservationist for a long time and um, kind of wanted to to get this message of conservation and these these native plants and animals out to the public, but didn't really know how to do it. Um, and then she actually went to an art show and saw that there was a, a really good reception that people were having towards art that featured, you know, these um, native flora and fauna and then made a company kind of around that art, selling the art in different places. Um, that was a really fantastic interview. Uh, by the way, it's uh, I, I wrote a couple of the articles and then Julie Stanley, who is a uh, freelancer for us, she also wrote the other two. Uh, she wrote about Calo Pico, uh, which is, again, what Kat was talking about, the uh, maker in Maui County. They make um, a lot of their goods actually in a workshop uh, on Moloka'i, and it's run by three Native Hawaiian women. Um, and I really enjoyed their process because not only do they feature a lot of native Hawaiian plants and, um, you know, ideas on their clothing, they actually do a lot of research. Um, they, uh, one of their, the main three staff members, I'm forgetting her name, but it's in the issue. Um, Jamie she actually, it's the, <sighs> not no, Jamie. not that one, a different, different one, different one. Uh, but she actually does all the research, um, in terms of like telling the Mo'olelo, um, you know, the stories of, what they're right, what they're making, um, and you can actually find all of those stories online, both in Hawaiian and in English. Um, so I really love their mission. We have a uh, local maker who makes a lot of sense, like even a plumeria scent, Napua Ala, um, and that's I believe her name is Lori Silva. She started the company when she was uh, she's from here. She's native native Hawaiian, but she was living in Utah, and she could not find a good uh, plumeria scent. Um, so she decided she would do it herself, which I always really enjoy. When you can't find something, just do it yourself and then make a business out of it. Um, yeah, so uh, that's a really great read. And then our last company is, oh, uh, it's going to come to me. It's not La Lima. It's not Calo Pico. Oh, man, it's not Napua. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Are you serious? I can't. We just four. read this story like a million times. <laughs> There's only four. It's many uh, hands. There's okay. aroma of aloha. <laughs> There's aroma of aloha. There's all aloha, which I now realize uh, two kind of similar headlines. Oh, gosh. It's the other one I wrote, too. And that's the most embarrassing part. 
That is terrible. You wrote it and you don't even remember it. You write a lot of things when you're a two-person editorial team. It's true. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I can come up with this. Is Lima? Yeah, you can look on. You can look at our proofs. I can't. Lo- I can't open them for some reason. Oh, you can't. That's that's Mm-mm. worrisome. All right, give me a second. Give me a second. Cat, fill time. Talk, tell them about our gift guide. Oh yeah, so the gift guide. I mean, we always run a gift guide every year, and it's um, we kind of highlight different products. For the holiday season, a lot of them are holiday specific. So there's seasonal flavors of cookies or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's I, I think it's a good resource for those of you who, you know, actually. maybe. Huh? I definitely think it's a good resource. Yeah, I agree. There's like 16 different products and they're all very varied. Like they're all very different things. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, like very different anyway. Did you find it? No. I'm right there. Give me a sec. Oh, it's Hanaho Hilo. Oh, yeah, it's Hanaho Hilo. Which Hello. I've actually written about two times. Oh, embarrassing. Hanaho Hilo is such a great story. Talk about uh, mom and pop. This one's actually uh, daughter and mother uh, run. My daughter, yeah. Mother, daughter. So it's uh, Michelle, Zane, Faridi, and then Shadi Faridi. Um, Michelle is the mother, and Shadi is the daughter. Michelle started Hanaho Hilo a long, long, long time ago. She is a, a rabid collector of Hawaiiana antiques, Pacific uh, Island antiques and collectibles. Um, she was collecting for a long time and then she was selling kind of locally and decided, you know, what, I'm going to start a business and put the, all of these antiques and collectibles in a storefront. Um, and she did that for a long time. And then her her daughter kind of came in um, pretty recently, you know, a handful of years ago. And um, her daughter was actually... Uh, running her own um, kind of like an eco-conscious highlighting local makers uh, boutique as well. And they thought, you know what, let's just combine these two ideas into one store. Turns out it was good timing too, because Michelle uh, was, she'd always been a Lao Hollow weaver and she is sort of becoming now a, a master Lao Hollow weaver. So she's teaching others. She is a kumu of the art. Um, and so that was a good timing for her because she was putting a little bit more effort into the Lao Hollow weaving so her daughter stepping in to help co-manage it, um, you know, it was just all really fortunate timing. And they they even sell a lot of uh, Michelle's Laohala, uh hats and a, um, I don't want to say apparel. It's, it's mostly actually just hats um, in mm-hmm. the store. And these hats are, you know, they are, they're like an heirloom. Like you would buy this and it would stay in your family for a long time. Um, they mm-hmm. they're, they yeah, don't they're go cheap either. Hat. They're they're beautiful. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was talking to Michelle a long time. None of this even made it into the story. But I was talking to her a long time for a long time, just about like the amount of effort and work it goes into making a Laohala hat. Like even just from the moment of harvesting the Laohala yourself and preparing it. And but it's really just the decades of experience it takes to get to the point where you can even begin to weave. Like she was telling me that for years, her um, people she's teaching, they don't weave at all. They just they just work on preparing the Laohala like they don't. It's a very multi-slow, multi-step process. Um, wow. So yeah, crazy. when you're when you're getting to the point where you're getting a hat woven out of Lahala, you know it's by someone. Hopefully, you know it's by someone who has trained for a long, long time to get to that point. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a wonderful story, and I'm, I'm, you know what? Overall, I'm, I'm really happy with this issue. Um, I think there's a really great spread um, of, you know, again, it's like a lot of made in Hawaii stuff, and that. For me, and I think for all of us right now, is really important. As Kat was saying, it's now more than ever, it's time to kind of uh, support local 
businesses, uh, especially, um, you know, Maui businesses where you can, um, because, you know, they can really take all the help they can get. Um, things are still very dire over there. But yeah, I think we got to get back to um, putting the issue to bed. <laughs> Be back to work. Yeah, we do. Get back to work. If you guys are interested in subscribing, um, KauaiMagazine.com, go on the top and there's a subscribe button. Just click on that and you can subscribe. Um, and yeah, if otherwise look for new, look for it on newsstands or, um, I don't know when we put it up on our Shopify, I guess about a month after, I think we give the subscribers a chance to read it first, but yeah, I think it's a really great issue and it's a great resource and, you know, you won't be disappointed. Lots of beautiful photos. So boymagazine.com and then follow us on all of our social platforms, subscribe and rate our podcast, and we will see you guys in two more weeks. Okay. Aloha. I just ended Bye -bye. it for you. You're welcome. Thanks, Kat. Bye. <laughs>